Hello and welcome to Is Mayonnaise a Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm here with a regular guy with an eye patch. Josh Hemo. All right. That was a solid one too. <laughs> Not one of my best ones, but uh it's good. It's a, it's a deep cut. <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> um, thank you all for joining us today and giving us a listen. This is our podcast where we watch, you know, classic SpongeBob episodes and find some nice little life lessons for you to take home. So you're here. You're listening. Welcome. Hopefully you're listening. Hopefully. <laughs> or else I'm just talking to the void. The Josh <laughs> and the void. The void's nice sometimes. Yeah. It's nicer than Josh. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't insult you as much. That's true. Just my own thoughts insult me in the void. Yikes. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to go right into this week's episode where we check out season one, episode 16, Valentine's Day and the paper. Valentine's Day. So we start in a very pink bikini bottom and we quickly realize it's Valentine's Day. If, you know, me saying Valentine's Day didn't <laughs> tip you off. Uh, so SpongeBob is throwing around slash passing out Valentine's and he's just, you know, spreading the love. He decides after giving Valentine's to everyone around Bikini Bottom that he's going to meet up with Sandy and we realize he has a very elaborate chocolate hot air balloon Valentine for Patrick. And SpongeBob reveals that his plan is to basically have this Valentine delivered by Sandy when SpongeBob and Patrick are at the top of the Ferris wheel. How romantic. Super romantic. Well, at the Valentine's Day Carnival. So SpongeBob meets up Patrick, who's in the process of making his own uh, present for <laughs> SpongeBob, and in a fit of panic, ends up breaking it. And so SpongeBob's like, well, I got an amazing present for you, and it's really, really great. And then literally drags Patrick to the carnival while Patrick is around his leg begging to find out what the surprise is. At the carnival, Sandy radios SpongeBob and he tells her to stand by that Patrick's still trying to guess his amazing gift. While he's hanging out with Patrick, Sandy is attacked by chocolate-eating scallops, which is not good for a hot air balloon made out of chocolate. And so SpongeBob is having fun keeping Patrick kind of like guessing and doing all this stuff when Sandy radios him back and tells him like, hey, like I'm being attacked, so I'm going to be a little late. And so SpongeBob's kind of freaking out, and he's like, fine, I'm going to go to the top of the Ferris wheel, and hopefully things will work out. We find out Sandy's in worse trouble than expected, and at the top of the Ferris wheel, she radios him and says, you know, you got to switch to plan B. And Patrick, being super impatient, starts freaking out, moving the entire Ferris wheel in a very da- reckless and dangerous manner. And SpongeBob panics and decides to give him a handshake, but not just a handshake, a friendly handshake. And Patrick is not amused at all. One short montage of carny fun later, Patrick is very upset and they're sitting on a bench, but he's kind of like accepted that, you know, it's the thought that counts. And as soon as he's like in the middle of his little acceptance and being okay with his not so great gift, all these people start coming up to SpongeBob and thanking him for like all these gifts, like the chocolates and the flowers, including a stranger he met that morning and gave a bike to. That's kind of like the straw that almost breaks the camel's back. And then finally, a fish goes up to SpongeBob and Patrick and asks for the time. And that causes Patrick to freak out because he thinks, you know, it was going to be another person with a SpongeBob gift. And so he hulks out and he starts destroying everything at the carnival and he corners everyone. And it's kind of unclear, but he's about to attack everybody. 
or kill them. I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> when Sandy arrives at the balloon and Patrick being stubborn as he is, like, I'm not turning around. Everyone's just like, turn around, turn around, Patrick. The thing's right there. And Sandy's like, hi, Patrick. Patrick's like, oh, hey, Sandy. And then realizes that this giant chocolate Valentine's balloon is there for him. He decides to bite into it, thinking that it's solid chocolate and it explodes over everyone. And then we end the episode with him and SpongeBob covered in chocolate. Ooh. And, Ooh. <laughs> and he and he tells uh, and Patrick tells SpongeBob, Oh, you didn't have to get me anything. This episode, loved it, but I have a confession to make, Josh. Alright. What is it? Um I did not remember this episode at all. I vaguely all right. remember the whole chocolate scallop situation. <laughs> but uh it was kind of nice because it felt like i was watching it for the first time this also goes for the second half of this episode i do not did not remember much of it so i was like huh it's funny i actually remember watching this one it was like i felt the same way about the halloween episodes i feel like the themed episodes they're like hidden gems didn't show that often mm-hmm. maybe that's why i didn't i never i i really barely recall like certain things from it but not I did not even remember like the plot lines or anything. You're always too busy on Valentine's Day. Yeah, I was. Look at you. you know, <laughs> uh, a real ladies' man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoy how when SpongeBob gets squirted his Valentine, he just rips it up. Just tears it up. Does not give a. F- <laughs> even, even Plankton, who got like uh, that little heart, he was a little bit sad. He was a little bit sad still, even after he got the Valentine. Yeah. But I'm like, you have a wife, Plankton. Why are you so upset? Go spend time on that Valentine's Day with them. Maybe he forgot to get a gift. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I'll just re-gift her that heart. It's fine. I did notice that during that whole him giving out uh, Valentine's montage, he runs faster than a boatmobile. I also wrote that down. Yeah. This, this two, these two episodes, kind of uh, mostly the second half of this episode, but a lot of examples of this godlike power. And I was Again. like, why do you even need a boating license if you can run faster yeah. What's than the point? a boat? Why spend that extra money on a boatmobile when you don't need it? Exactly. Well, apparently he has all these monies for these Valentines and get someone a whole bike. Right? I was wondering just... that too. He can't possibly make enough money from the Krusty Krab in order to afford all these Valentine's gifts. Maybe he's like an extreme couponer. Oh, maybe. Or, like, or DIY. Maybe those all he, those gifts are... He built that bike himself. Yeah, grew the flowers himself, <laughs> gave out the chocolate himself. Maybe. I wouldn't put it past him. We've seen him be able to grow flowers out of his suit, so. But what I, I do like the first kind of lesson that you get from this act is just spread joy. Yep. Even though it's like, I mean, yeah, Valentine's Day is like a commercial holiday. Um, but, you know, SpongeBob really went into it and he spread a lot of joy around Bikini Bottom. And it's obvious like towards the end that it, it paid off. Everyone was like, oh, I really like this. Yeah, no, it's it's a good thing. I think you could do that on any holiday. I think Valentine's Day feels like it's like reserved for couples or, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving are reserved for family. It doesn't mean you can't, like, extend that joy to your friends and the people around you. It's like a simple, like, happy Thanksgiving you know, or happy Valentine's Day to a friend. You know, can put a smile on their face. So spread that joy. Um, I'm going to bring it up only because I think we have to address it. Do you think this Valentine was purely SpongeBob with his bestest friend in the whole world? Or do you think there are some uh, relationship undertones in that situation? So so what I wrote down for that is like a little lesson. I think that this plays into 
maybe that wasn't the intention of the episode, but I think the what I got of is like this toxic masculinity thing that you can't celebrate male friendships in a I don't know in any way that makes it seem like it might be like homophobe or like it might be gay or whatever. And it's, there's such like a weird culture around that. And I think it, I applaud SpongeBob for going against that. I think he was it's just true. doing something for his good, like his best male friend. Yeah, and I can see that too. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who think that they're uh, romantically involved, but I just think that they're, it's our, I don't know, it's just like assuming something. Yeah. When we, I, and I, again, I don't want to like be like, oh, hetero, uh, heteronormative relationship is probably what's for SpongeBob, but I also don't, even, even with Sandy, it's like very much like I don't get, I don't get vi- relationship vibes from SpongeBob with anyone. Uh, I think he's just very friendly and cares a lot about people. Mm-hmm. I think people I mean, mistake that. I mean, you see that with even with friendships, people mistake caring for someone as like relationship and stuff. It's like, nah, like you can be really good friends with someone and it doesn't mean that you're in a relationship or that you love them or whatever. It's just that you're friends. I think we have a weird culture around that. It's true, especially for men, I think. Yeah. I feel like when a, a woman gets like presents for her friends, it kind of just people just brush it off. They're like, "Oh wow, that's like things that people do." Yeah, like even uh, like Parks and Rec's a good example, like Valentine's Day. Yeah, that isn't seen as weird, which yeah, like you were like saying, like if a dude was to do the same thing, I feel like dude, there is dude in Tine's Day. Yeah, dude in Tine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it is like seen as weird for some reason. And I think it's changing. I think society is changing, which is good. I really think that's a positive thing. Yeah, that way you can get me more presents, Josh. Mm, we'll see about that. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, this transitions to my lesson that I, I that you kind of touched on is like it's good to do something special for people who are important to you, not just yeah. like your uh, not your just r- r- romantic um, harem of of people. Harem. <laughs> yeah. Are harems just women? I think it could be any or gender, it- anything. I gotta look it up. I'll look it up after this. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's good to have like surprises and gifts for people that you care about. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be like you go out and break the bank to do something for someone. Like a card, simple thank you card means a lot, actually. You know, I like to give all my friends like a good old just uh, slap in the face. That's always good. That's like the best it... pressing you can possibly get. <laughs> it's just like, hey, <laughs> smack. Hey. <laughs> But I say I love you when I do it. So that Good. Way it, it like balances out. Yeah. Yikes. It, it's like um, a, a love tap. Pretty sure that's <laughs> emotional abuse, but. <laughs> love tap, emotional abuse. It's whatever. Same thing. Whatever. <laughs> just, just look forward to this Valentine's Day when you're in New York, Josh. Great. Great. <laughs> I also kind of want to bring up how like consumerism has kind of like consumed holidays because you see that a lot in this episode, like Patrick isn't super thankful that SpongeBob like spending the day with him and having fun at the carnival. He just wants his gift, you know, and that's like a big thing, especially with Valentine's Day. It's such a like holiday where you have to celebrate by buying things instead of just mm-hmm. celebrating the person by spending time with them. And I think that it's as a culture, we have made a lot of holidays about just like buying stuff. And I think it's important to remember what it's really about and like stuff like Christmas and Valentine's Day and Thanksgiving are really about the people and not so much the things because things eventually go away. Like 
cards and chocolates and stuff, they don't last forever. But like those relationships that you build with people are what you'll remember. Exactly. And for me, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, it's like I kind of stopped wanting things from people. Like for like Christmas, I have a really hard time telling like anyone like, oh, get me this or get me that. Same thing with like Valentine's Day. It's like I'm pretty, pretty fine with it's more like I want to make it an event now. Yeah. I just want to like go eat something like an excuse to go make them buy something delicious. Or make a memory. I mean, that's yeah. what's important. You know, if you have especially if you're in a relationship, like make that day about that person and make like a nice romantic memory out of it. I think the the one. It's kind of like a dual edged lesson that I got from that whole situation with Patrick kind of like not. Um, appreciating mm-hmm. everything. I think part of it was the fact, and this is usually a good thing, SpongeBob kind of just went overboard with it. Yeah. And he, and he, but he told Patrick he went overboard with it. So like Patrick was like too excited. And I think once Patrick didn't realize that like he wasn't getting like a actual meaningful gift, because even he thought the quarter was great, he thought other things were great until. He realizes like just a handshake, which isn't material, but also like, again, I think it was just like one of those situations where if you're going to have a surprise, let it be a surprise. Don't tell someone that it's coming unless it's about to happen in like the next two seconds. Yeah. I think that people that do that who really like make you're like, oh, well, you're going to guess what the surprise is. You're going to guess what the surprise is. Like, I feel like people that do that really um, want that other person to appreciate how much like effort and time instead of like appreciating, I don't know. It's more of like for a selfish gain, you know, they're like, oh, you'll never guess what I got you. And like, I watched all this like drama and mystery, like mystery around it. But really, it's just it should just be about you appreciating that person, you know. Yeah. And don't draw it out. Don't draw it out. Don't make it this big selfish thing that like Mm -hmm. make them wait and you build up all this like anticipation. You also like overhype it. Yeah. And then like there are times... And you mentioned this before, Josh. You said you're not the best gift giver. Yeah. Like I feel like if you overhype and then your gift isn't that great, yeah. you're setting yourself you're up for like disappointment. Failure. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, and again, there's something you said that you should appreciate, and that was a lesson I got for this episode. It's just like you should find appreciation in things that people do for you. But at the same point, like if you start overhyping, then you build as expectations, and you just seem like. I don't know, then you disappoint that other person. It's not great. And then also I'm like a firm believer in under-promising and then over-delivering. Yeah. Like not just like with clients and stuff like that, but also just like I think with people, I think if you say like, oh, we're just going to have like a nice little night out and then you go overboard that way. Mm-hmm. So like if SpongeBob was just like, no, we're just going to go to the carnival and we'll hang out together. Yeah. And then and surprise he made that him. the gift and then surprise him with the balloon. Yeah. I think that would have been much more memorable instead of like setting up all this an- anticipation. Although, let me tell you, after Patrick gets that handshake, his face his grumpy was cracking face. up the entire time during his whole little montage. Yeah, <laughs> while they're going through like the bounce house and like the roller coaster, and then like the fun house is kind of demonic looking. I don't know if you look at the wallpaper; it's pretty freaking scary <laughs> that background in that situation. But like, his face was just like I was cracking up. It's good. It's um, good stuff. I think the quarter kind of felt like a throwback to me when he was asking. He's like, I've always wanted a quarter. <laughs> yeah. It was like he's asking for a quarter in the dream episode. So That's I thought a that was, funny. Catch. It was a throwback. 
I didn't even think of it as a throwback, yeah. but I like it. It's funny. Also, fun fact, this is the first episode where a microorganism, excluding plankton, is shown in SpongeBob SquarePants. Ooh. So when he was like, it's a, is it a paramecium? <laughs> Which is also like, shout out, a lot of science in this episode. We yeah. see it in the, in the next half too. You'll, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll mention it. I'll try to remember to mention it. <laughs> they got them scientists on the panel now. Yeah. <laughs> a little thing that I noticed and like a little good little lesson. Um, when Patrick starts freaking out on the top of the Ferris wheel, it's oh, just God. like, keep in mind the whole, like how to handle panic attacks and anxiety attacks with your friends. And I think that's a lot of things people don't really know how to handle. I mean, it's a, it's a, it can be a very scary situation. And most of the time, the best way to handle it is to not sit there and don't and acknowledge it and be like, Oh, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? It's just like, Treat them as a person because I think that will help them instead of them panicking and realizing that they're making you panic, you're perpetuating the situation. It's like just make the situation as calm as possible for them. I'm trying to be um, forgiving of Patrick, but rocking the Ferris wheel like that, I would have pants. Not great. I have only gone on a Ferris wheel a handful of times. A couple of them are Disneyland. I've been on that scary California Adventure (laughs) Ferris wheel that has like the roller thing that's not fun it's very scary <laughs> scariest ride in in california adventures is Hands that down. ferris wheel <laughs> um unless you're not afraid of heights but also i've only been to one at a, at a carnival so great <laughs> those were all very specific reasons i got on and i will not be getting on again <laughs> do not get on a ferris with me and do not rock the ferris wheel very be very scared yeah Sorry. And SpongeBob should have handled that. I was, I was very traumatized. I was very traumatized, <laughs> traumatized. by the entire situation. It's fine. Give a moment for you to <laughs> collect yourself. Please. <laughs> I was very impressed that Patrick tried to lift that uh carnival ride. <laughs> Hard on the I, stick. <laughs> yeah, I think he did a pretty good job uh lifting with his legs. He had like kind of like a deadlift type of situation going on. I was like, Yeah, put your hips into it. He knows how to he knows how to do it properly. But uh, lifted a few heart on the sticks before, <laughs> but I guess even his powers have limits because <laughs> he just went for the small stick. <laughs> that whole him going crazy montage is insane, like how deep into it he gets and like destroys everything. Yeah, it's like calm down, bro. Yeah, it's just a gift, and that's like a thing that I like wrote down is don't let things take you out of the moment. Like, I think it's easier for us, and like, this is just a general thing, too. Like. We get so preoccupied thinking about the past or the present or the future that we lose sight of the fun that we could be doing right now. And like mm-hmm. keeping in mind keeping in mind like this in this first Patrick, he can get angry and upset about it just being a handshake. But SpongeBob like planned a pretty great day for him. They were having a lot of fun at the carnival if he would have just enjoyed like spent the time to live in the moment. Yeah. And like that kind of goes in with another thing that I wrote down was the it's kind of like always evaluate why you're upset about something. Mm-hmm. Like take that moment, like you're saying, to kind of think about what you, what is upsetting you in that moment. Yeah. And is it worth whatever you're doing? Yeah. Is it worth freaking out about or yeah. getting grumpy about? And usually it's like nothing really is worth getting that upset about, especially small things like that. So take a time, like take, give, your chan- give yourself the chance to like take a breath and cool down. Yeah, and I, I think Patrick was close to that. 
yeah, I think the people coming up to SpongeBob thanking him for everything just pushed him over the edge. Yeah, poor poor guy. Yeah. I just I loved all the gifts and that they were given out, but I was very intrigued about Sandy's gift, her little acorn. Yeah. And then not really so much her gift, but when SpongeBob gives her a chocolate heart back, but through without drowning her cuz she opens up her little like hatch hatch and it flies in how did she not I drown was... how did her helmet not fill with water i have no idea maybe a new invention but i just wanted to mention that because it was uh one some people were like oh uh, sandy has like a crush on spongebob which like i could kind of see that cuz she was like i'm nuts for you but i think it was just good wordplay yeah i think it's just one of those like silly valentines things that you see like the little cards always have those joke corny little jokes on them right mm-hmm. So I think this case, it was like the same thing. But still, Sandy being a fucking beast, she she's killing it. She I can't believe she like wrangled all those scallops and just like flew Committed. them. Committed, yeah. It was like a James and the Giant Peach situation. Yeah. <laughs> she's got all the birds and boom. Throwback. Yeah. I already threw it back to Nick Magazine last week, yeah. so <laughs> got to throw it again to James and the Giant's Peach. But yeah, Sand- Sandy being a real homie. Yeah, coming in clutch for SpongeBob. Always important. I think really she is the the real winner <laughs> through, through this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we have a very, very special bubble break this week. Very special. Very special. You want to know why, Josh? You already know why, but <laughs> do you want to play ignorant play. for this moment? Yeah. Why? Why, Omar? Why is it so special? We have our first official listener question. Woo! Which, honestly, when I first started the ideas for this podcast, before I reached out to you, Josh, that's originally what I wanted it to be, was people like asking questions and having, how we can use SpongeBob to help them out. Mm. But then I realized there's a lot of advice shows as podcasts, and now we have the podcast that we have now. But this week, this question surprised us in our inbox and it's actually from someone we don't know at all which is nice yeah we screamed into the void josh and the void screamed back someone was listening <laughs> so I'm, I'm very glad this person sent this uh message in so this listener asks or well says hi omar and josh that's us josh i don't know if you know Whoa. that but that's <laughs> us i i've enjoyed listening and i was really wondering something that i hope you two can help shed a little light on In 2018, it feels like there are a lot of glaring problems with shows from the late 90s, early, um, is it aughts, thousands? I would say early thousands. I don't know. But that's not technically right. (laughs) Early 2000s. Early 2000s. Early early 2000s time. Yeah. Things like Roseanne, ugh, that's what they wrote down, but I agree. And Friends don't really seem to have stood the test of time. How do you two feel? That's us. Again, Josh, just in case. The original SpongeBob episodes have stood up against the more inclusive and progressive backdrop we live in now. How do you think SpongeBob would be different if redone for today's younger audiences? Keep up the good work, and yes, of course, SpongeBob is a god. He's probably a bastard son of Neptune. So, first of all, thank you for sending the question. Second of all, thank you for being welcomed into this cult yeah. of SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob's being a, a god. god. And also, like, I'm just glad that I'm still excited over this question, Josh. Yeah. I'm just very, very excited. And so also congrats on being our first official listener email question. Bubble break. Right? Yeah, bubble break. This is cool. I like it. I dig it. So Josh, uh, so do you have like any hot takes? Um, we're constantly seeing like 
older shows in that time frame tend to be like like really problematic. Like I never watched Roseanne, not a Roseanne fan, but like Friends definitely I've seen episodes and stuff that have problems with like homophobia, transphobia, sexual harassment, sexism, fat shaming. There's a ton of that you know, even like The Office and other stuff like that. So how do you think like SpongeBob stacks up? I mean, I guess it's really, really easy to read into something having problems, right? And I think that's what we're seeing more and more nowadays is that like anything can be problematic. But I think there are certain shows I think that like with the listener wrote, like Roseanne and Friends are, had really good examples of stuff that was pretty problematic. And even for the time was like kind of edgy to be talking about. Um, but I definitely feel like Spongebob very, like very intelligently traversed that. I feel like, Mm -hmm. I mean, being a cartoon, it does bring up a lot of like social issues and hints at certain things that are like much more mature than what a kid's show should be presenting necessarily. But the way it does it, I think is very smart and doesn't necessarily shame or insult, um, and I definitely feel like even watching it now, I don't feel like there's a lot of things that are problematic to me. You know, it, bring, it brings up a lot of, again, it brings up a lot of those topics, but it doesn't necessarily feel problematic. The same here with, for me, it was like, I thought rewatching these, I would find all these like little things that I like glazed over that were kind of problematic. Yeah. And yeah, I've called out Mr. Krabs for being like kind of racist. And maybe a little bit of cultural appropriation on Sandy's part. But, like... But those I are super what, very little things, you know? Yeah, it's... Honestly, it's, like, something that... Again, we were... You also gotta think the time period a lot of these episodes were made. Where it's, like... It was just a general miseducation of everyone. Yeah. And, like, regardless of what you think about, like, you know, culture now, whether you think it's too PC or not, it's, like, you're looking at it with a different lens. But, like, there are, like, very, like, wonderful things that I've seen. Like, the fact that, like, Sandy is such a strong, like, female lead. Yeah. Um, And I think that gets... I haven't seen the newer episodes of SpongeBob because there are newer ones and they're coming out pretty recently. But it's, like, a different vibe to them. But, like, even the one that uh comes out to me is the the Soda Drink Cat episode. Oh, yeah. Where, like, Squidward... Uh, no, Mr. Krabs says it makes you look like a girl. And he's like, am I a pretty girl? And then we've already seen in season one that there's cross-dressing and it's like not even, it's not played for laughs that they're cross-dressing. It's just like, oh, it's not like a, a big deal. No, it's not it like it's making like a like... scene or making a point. It was just like a gag and it wasn't that even that big of a gag, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool, actually. I think that it didn't try to make a big deal of potential issues and stuff where you see... Shows like Roseanne or Friends or the older shows or stuff even before that where they would have entire episodes dedicated to stuff that was very problematic, you know? And I think that's that's the issue is that SpongeBob, again, like these issues are present in SpongeBob, but they aren't the center of what the story is. They're presented in a way that make it more, I don't know, I guess acceptable or more easy to relate to instead of shaming it or making it controversial. See, I think that the benefit that SpongeBob has is that it's easy to see how things parallel to real life when your characters are human. Yeah. And I think SpongeBob yeah. has the benefit that all their character not all their characters are human. They're all fish basically except for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy and other like random uh people that we actually see. So, it's 
it's kind of like that weird, I guess, well, association it's, we have. It's the magic of cartoons, really. Like you, mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays you can watch like modern day cartoons like Adventure Time or Chowder or regular show. And those like are kind of racy, you know, even for like they have present a lot of like adult situations. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, again, it's a disassociation that you have with cartoons that you can present tougher issues, but in a way that doesn't make it as glaring of a problem, you know? I think that Dan Harmon is a really good example of this, the guy who does Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching Community, and, like, some of the stuff on Community can be, like, kind of problematic and stuff, but he does, it's for comedy, and he's not doing it in a way to shame or anything. He's just showing stuff comedically, like, satire. But I think that Community wasn't as well accepted as Rick and Morty is because of Rick and Morty as a cartoon. He could present those same issues in a cartoon format, and... Be it's not as uh, like insulting to the multitudes. I think, I think a perfect example is Big Mouth. Yeah. I don't know if you have you seen that. I've on Netflix? seen. I've seen Big Mouth. Yeah, yeah. Or well, as far as Big Mouth goes, like there's so, like in that there's so many so much adult content. It's really not meant for children at all. Yeah. But it's actually it's weird because they tackle a lot of like really oddly sexual things, but the characters are supposed to be like middle school. But it just works, yeah. which I think is really interesting. And that again, I think that's a lot of people discount cartoons. No, but and, we, and we've seen that and it's a medium that people use to exercise to talk about these issues. I mean, how long has Simpsons been on the air that does the same thing? And that's a cartoon that's rated PG, you know? And I remember growing up not being allowed to watch that cartoon because my mom and dad thought it was problematic. But again, it's a cartoon and it's presenting social issues that in a way that is accessible, I think. And then as far as like the question goes about like how would it be different if done for today's younger audiences, one, I think that it doesn't need to be redone. There are some small things there. Like I, I really dug because I was, I didn't have time to like rewatch every single episode to see if I could find everything that's problematic. I mean, I, I still got to do this. We still got to do this podcast and eventually we'll get there. But, um, and I'll try to call it out if I see it. But it's one of those things that like, one another episode is like the panty raid episode yeah where like it's like there's some like really mild like sexism and then like mild racism but like again it's because of the setting you don't really catch it i guess because it's like you know fish and and a squirrel talking to each other yeah and i even looked up like spongebob problematic and stuff and like all i could really see is i actually found like an old tumblr called spongebob is problematic that was last updated like uh 2014 <laughs> and they did bring up some stuff and it, a lot of it was more and the person said they were serious and like it does have like a weird like overly pc vibe to this tumblr uh-huh. but what i do like that the person brought up is they didn't say it was bad to watch spongebob they just said that it's good to look at spongebob with a lens of social justice mm. and have it like Make it whatever you feel about, you know, social justice warriors or whatever like that. I kind of lean more into the social justice warrior ca- category. But it, I think it's good for us to, one, look back on any content, but look back at like, children's content in particular to look for how, like, maybe adult sensibilities, adult uh, ideas have gotten in there. And not adult, like, sexual, but, like, adult, like, you know, just deeper, I guess. Yeah. Because it's... We were kids when we were watching SpongeBob. Yeah. 
and the kids are watching it now and they're watching cartoons now and it's kind of weird how how they interact with cartoons technically it's like how it can shape their worldview i think i think we kind of I'm not going to say that, you know, cartoons cause anything, but I think it is like an example of what maybe at least kids find funny. Well, find funny and yeah, like you say, shape their world. I mean, that's why parents let their kids watch like Sesame Street and stuff like mm-hmm. on PBS. I mean, those kind of shows are much more conducive to like having more inclusive views and stuff or like being more open minded. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and educational a, and educational. I think that's really important. It's like you're not putting on these cartoons to like purely entertained but it's to educate and not just about like abcs and numbers but about social issues too and i think that when you look at spongebob i think it does do that i think that i mean this whole point of the podcast is that we're looking at how it is presenting these lessons but in a cartoon format mm-hmm. and i think it's something to be said just in general that tv and content books anything ages and sometimes not very well I mean, if you look at shows back in like the 1920s or you know 1960s even, and compare those to what our sensibilities are today, a lot of that's kind of offensive. You know, I mean, you watch. Yeah, I mean, I remember taking like an art uh, art history class uh, in college, and it's just one of those things. Like, my professor was literally so old, and it's not that long ago, but old enough that he personally, like when he was younger, used to do vaudeville. Yeah. And vaudeville back in the day used to have blackface. Yeah, exactly. And my professor is not black. So it was one of those things that like he understands now how problematic it was, but at the time it's like again it's a it's, it's who's a, in it's who's in power it's who ha who makes the rules. It's also us just growing how they interact smarter as a civilization. I think it's mm-hmm. like not more. It's like yes, people in power and all that plays into it, but I think mm-hmm. you see as we grow as a civilization, we get more sensible and understanding to other cultures and stuff. It may not seem like that right now with like the political climate, but I think there's a lot to be said about how active people are now because of what's going on and stuff. And I think that's because we are growing smarter and more like wise about how to handle social issues and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Again, thank you for this question. Yeah, thank I think you. it was like very for a first question, very, very thought provoking. For a first question, it was great. Yeah. So, write more questions, everyone. Yeah. Definitely. So that way. So that way you just don't hear uh, Josh and I like rambling on in bowl breaks. We can ramble about something specific. Yeah. Give us some content. Yeah. Give us, uh, yes, help <laughs> become content creators. Exactly. With us. No, we just, we really love it. Send us emails, ismanyasapodcast at gmail.com or through our Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. So that way we can have more of these. These are, this is great. Yep. Jumping into act two. This one's called The Paper. Ooh. So we start out with Squidward deciding to sunbathe as he normally does, pulls out his lawn chair and unwraps a piece of bubble gum, throws the wrapper in SpongeBob's yard. And SpongeBob is obsessed with this piece of paper. He begs and pleads with um, Squidward to make sure that it's okay. Make sure and ask over and over and over again, like, can I please have this? Are you sure you don't want this? Is it okay? Is it, you know, you know, this is your last chance? And every time Squidward's like, you know, it's just a piece of garbage. I don't want this. You keep it. It's fine. I will never want this. I promise that I won't want this. And so SpongeBob makes it a big deal to keep this promise and will not give Squidward this piece of paper back. SpongeBob 
then shows just how much fun he can have with this piece of paper. We get this huge long montage of him making origami with it. He <laughs> makes music with it. He does impressions. He is able to fly with it. He does all this other stuff. And during all this, Squidward's just watching him and realizes, you know, I actually want this piece of paper. He gets jealous of how much fun, how much fun SpongeBob has. So much so that he starts trying to trade everything he has to get this piece of paper from SpongeBob and begs and pleads to get it from SpongeBob. So much so he's like gives him his house and even gives him the shirt off his back. And finally, SpongeBob, all he ever wanted apparently was that shirt off Squidward's back. It was his favorite shirt apparently. And finally decides to break the promise and give Squidward that piece of paper. Squidward very quickly realizes that he is not as imaginative and fun as Spongebob and cannot possibly have as much fun with this piece of paper and ends up with nothing and just the piece of paper and Patrick comes by, sees that he has this paper, piece of paper. He's like, oh, piece of paper, perfect. Takes his gum out and uses it as trash. And that is how the episode ends. <laughs> the ultimate Squidward moment. The ultimate Squidward moment. <laughs> I think this episode is very short and sweet. I mean, again, like we see a lot with part two, especially with themed episodes since this was a Valentine's Day. The second part isn't as big. Especially mm-hmm. this one. Like this one didn't have anything to do with Valentine's Day. Where past themed episodes we've seen that both parts were. Have like some type of theme Yeah. But it is super impressive how many things that one the creators came up with, but also in in essence SpongeBob came up with. Yeah. For this little piece of paper. And just the fact that he can have so much fun with a piece of paper, I think, is a great lesson in itself that y- your imagination is uh it's like the sky's the limit. It reminds know? me of like kids playing on a playground or when you give like I mean, you equate kids to now animals, I guess. But when you give like one little ant, like an animal, like a cat or a dog, like a different toy and they want to stop playing with whether they're playing with and they want to go play with this other toy. I mean, that kind of reminds me of that. It's just like you never realize what you have is good (laughs) and you just want whatever this other person has because they're having fun with it. Animals are so pure. Yeah. Same with children. Same with small children. That's why you can bunch them together in the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you can equate them. Yeah. I was laughing because that whole oral gami yeah. hit. I was like, ooh, Spongebob using that tongue ooh. <laughs> for a very exquisite paper folding. It was very good. Poor Squidward the, tried the, to <laughs> replicate it. cannot soggy And then like paper. that weird kid cheering in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> 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 I was like those I don't know where I really hope that uh, Nickelodeon just brought these kids in and they were like, all right, I want all of you all to cheer. <laughs> cheer together. Local, local kindergarten class. or just like, kids, you want to get re- like be on a SpongeBob episode? <laughs> yeah, that, that should be it. Although SpongeBob wasn't famous at the time, Mm-mm. so maybe it was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they weren't as excited. I don't know. Again, it's super impressive all the little things that he does. But the first thing I want to say, because Squidward, the fact that he just threw a piece of paper on the floor, don't litter. No, that's why, why. That's why there's plastic in the ocean. No, and he should have it's realized that from fault. like episode one, when he litters in SpongeBob's yard in the leaf blower. Episode. The leaf blower, yeah. And he didn't learn then. I think that's a constant thing we see with Squidward. He's just like never learns his lesson ever. No, he needs to listen to this it's podcast. Too hard headed. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was just really impressed with the similarities between this and the episode where SpongeBob gets a box. Yeah. And he does the whole imagination thing. And I was wondering if this is like the same. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the box episode in a long time, but it's basically the same premise that that yeah. whole like one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. I think it's just maybe it's like a formula they have. <laughs> maybe they were like, no, we could have done it better and it created the box. Revamp episode. it. <laughs> oh, only because I said I would mention it. Uh, the other sciencey part in this half is where he, Squidward is trying to, you know, not pay attention to spongebob and he's like oh i'm gonna read boring science digest and he's like erosion and mitosis and he had a good little chuckle about that <laughs> mm-hmm. but that was the other sciencey thing see tons of science in this episode we're learning education there education. it is <laughs> also speaking of education let me educate you with a fact Ooh. i don't know if it's 100 true because i'm not a music major but apparently when spongebob plays the song that squibbert played with the wrong notes again on a piece of paper godlike power We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> he says, oh, I really like it in A minor, but in fact, he actually plays it in the key of C major. So Nice. So yeah, someone figured that out, and they were very smart. And even on the SpongeBob Wiki, they corrected the notes to actually play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Because oh. that's the song that they were playing. But someone online was like, this is how the notes would actually look if you played Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this person has too much time. Too much here. time. <laughs> but also... So do we. So I guess we have that in common. But again, this entire episode is just SpongeBob flaunting his godlike powers. Oh, yeah. He could turn this like ordinary piece of paper into so many things. Too too many things. And then the fact that he, when he turns into a jungle SpongeBob, I forgot what he calls himself, yeah. uh, SpongeBob Jungle Pants, <laughs> where he's like, he turns into a foghorn and then a dolphin. And then a seal. When he's trying to call his animal friends. And he's calling his animal friends. And just like the helicopter part, um, I did. Oh, okay. I have a question. Yeah. So when he's like, I can do an impression. And he does the impression of a guy with a mustache. What accent is that? Was it Russian? Because I was getting, well, I, I definitely was getting like European vibe. Okay. And this may be a stretch, but I thought I was like, what if it's a German accent? Uh-huh. And was that a Hitler reference? Oh, mm. maybe. Because he said "guy with a mustache," <laughs> a very European accent. But it was like it had a little bit of like a Swedish feel to it. Yeah. So I'm trying not to think that it's a hidden Hitler reference, but I also think that it <laughs> could be a hidden Hitler reference. So uh, tell me what you think. Yeah, listeners, take send a listen. A, Let us know. <laughs> but yeah, the whole the whole thing just too much power. Yeah, I mean, he in the very beginning, even when he throws that piece of paper on spongebob's lawn spongebob moves his entire house to get in front of that piece of paper mm. it's impressive i guess it's just a pineapple so it's not super heavy but still be able to move your entire house move your entire house play music with a piece of paper um there's a part where he's doing like a ping pong paddle situation yeah that paper's not tied to anything Mm-mm. it's impressive uh the oral gummy oral gummy still good Let's see what else is there uh, he uses it as a parachute. Of course, his great impressions: pirate, pirate with an eye patch, and then regular guy with an eye patch, <laughs> aka Joshimo. Bless. And then that whole thing where he like sucks it into his body and like shoots it out all over, all the, over place. the place. Yeah, that was kind of gross, but impressive either way. Impress Squidward. It did impress Squidward. Yeah. And 
I don't know why Squidward can't just be happy doing what he's doing. I don't know. But that's like one of the things that I realized in this episode is we always want better things, you know? It's like mm-hmm. we always want the better iPhone or the better like um, laptop or best shoes or whatever. And it's hard for us to appreciate what we have, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what he should have done there. It's like appreciate what you have. You have like you have your art, you have your music, which is actually pretty good. That's the still life of the fruit looked pretty good. I was impressed. I like how he, without really paying attention, painted an exact self-portrait of him he's mastered self-portraits yeah with uh with a piece of paper with a piece of paper <laughs> as his mustache that's good um going back to the whole talking about making music with a piece of paper it's like mm-hmm. another throwback i noticed when he gives spongebob in the ghost episode when he gives spongebob the piece of paper to make music from and spongebob can't figure it out and like has oh, a breakdown Kleenex. yeah i think spongebob's finally spent the time to master how to make music out of paper I could see that. That's good. We when we eventually make the whole timeline, it all fits together. <laughs> that will be good for us to like replace that. Yeah. <laughs> um. What did you think about Squidward's ventriloquism? It was impressive. I wonder what. I wonder if that doll was something he had created before. It's like part of his whole like narcissism thing that he just has like a doll of himself lying around. Does it remind you of anyone? It does. Little Ohms. Where is? I haven't seen Little Ohms in forever. Little Ohms is closer to you than he is to me right now. Oh. Um, for people who are afraid that I'm talking about my genitalia, I have a puppet <laughs> that we've named Little Ohms that was made by a friend that team actually think did she get it for me for Christmas or Valentine's Day? When was it was it Valentine's Day present. I thought it was an anniversary present. Oh, probably anniversary. See, you're better at this than I am. <laughs> I was really hoping it'd be Valentine's Day present, so it'd be like, you know, it'd click with the whole episode. Yikes. But your honesty, it probably was an anniversary present. Close enough. I didn't even get the genitalia reference until right now. I can't believe I've spent all these years knowing little ohms and never like <laughs> thought that could have been a genitalia reference. I was just, I was afraid. It came to me in this moment. I was like, what if people what like, were talking about? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I have a, I have a, a Muppet style puppet that came up. It does look really good. It's a pretty impressive puppet. And it, Oh yeah. And it's meant to look like me another that's why it's called little ohms uh, one one day he'll be in new york one day put him in one a day. box and ship him out there no he's gonna fly first class first class <laughs> little ohms is not around yikes <laughs> um i think spongebob shows really good qualities about being a friend again in this episode like we've talked about mm-hmm. how spongebob does show really good qualities about being a good friend but like not breaking a promise. He was super dedicated to not breaking that promise. Like Squidward tried really, really hard to, you know, trade everything that he possibly had until it was his shirt. Like that was his last thing. And even then, Spongebob was like, you got the rest of your stuff. All I wanted was a shirt. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Why do you think he wants a shirt so bad? I don't know. Maybe he just really admires Squidward's style. He really likes that Squidward's polo. Squidward's fashion. Yeah. I got over polos because I used to have to wear them all the time for work, so... <laughs> I'm not a polo person. <laughs> Plus, I used to wear them a lot. Like it was, I think polos are like the go-to shirt where you're like, I had to be dressier than a t-shirt, but oh, yeah. not fan- fancy enough for a button-up. Don't drop a bunch of money on a button-up. Yeah. No, exactly. So, I have a love-hate with polos. Oh. I only own one now. <laughs> that's how. That's how much I don't like polos. I think I have. Yeah, I think I only own one that I've worn probably like once in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
don't send us polos for no, Valentine's please don't. Day or Christmas. <laughs> I think one of the bigger lessons I got from this entire episode was like um the like envying, like Squidward is constantly envying SpongeBob's having fun. We've seen this in the like Squidward does envy SpongeBob. And we talked about it a little bit last week about how we think that maybe his subconscious is like hinting towards that how much he envies SpongeBob's life and how much attention he gets. I think that's what he falls into that trap of just like constantly playing into that. And there are some like fan theories out there about each of the SpongeBob characters representing a seven deadly sin. I don't know how much that actually plays out throughout the entire series. Because mm-hmm. I think they each grow and like show different change. change. Yeah. But I definitely think that envy is a big thing that Squibber shows, you know, a lot, especially towards SpongeBob. And it's true. And I feel like a lot of people in general, like that envy just comes from like insecurity with themselves. Yeah. And it, it makes sense that his subconscious would be that way. And also like, I mean, even look at the, again, we talked about the ventriloquism, but SpongeBob, you know, said like this little one-off joke and he had a whole group of people. Come out of nowhere at the woodworks. Come literally like, boom. Yeah. And then he had a whole, whole like uh, studio audience with him. What was good is like, even in that moment, like, even if Squidward's ventriloquist act wasn't the best, SpongeBob was really supportive. He's like, that was actually really good, Squidward. Let me let me try it. And then he does it. And of course, he gets the big crowd. But still, like, he was a very good supportive friend towards Squidward. Do you think this whole lesson, this whole thing was possibly, if we're going for SpongeBob as a trickster god, do you think this was, like, to teach Squidward a lesson? <laughs> Show some, yeah. Appreciate what he has. Maybe. Squidward tries. He really does try to use that piece of paper. Yeah. And then he kind of just just falls a little short. Yeah. I mean, it's it's completely possible. I could also I guess you can look at it that maybe all SpongeBob ever wanted was a shirt off Squidward's back. Like he just wanted that shirt. So he trained to get really good on this piece of paper just so he can trick Squidward into getting that shirt. The, I hate saying this, but there's the no other way to say it. Um I think this act has a very distinct don't yuck other people's yum <laughs> like situation. I hate that wow. phrase, but it's the only way I could phrase it without so everyone understood it. It's just it I just so many times we see other people having fun and we just either want that fun or we just don't want them to have that fun. And I think it's it's good to try to realize when you're doing that to others. Yeah. Also, boring people get bored is that phrase, right? That yeah. saying. So, like, like so we're not going to be any more entertaining without with a piece of paper. No, like, there's plenty of opportunity for him to entertain himself with everything that he has in his house. He has, like, a little go-kart thing. Yeah. But I had plenty of fun with that. I want a go-kart. Well, <laughs> I don't think there's anywhere for you to drive in New York. That's true. I don't have, I don't have room for a go-kart. No. I mean, like, the last little lesson I picked up from this episode is something we've talked about before, is sunscreen. And that's the very last thing that Squidward asks for when he has literally nothing left and is just naked. He's like, does anyone have sunscreen? Again, wear it. Wear sunscreen. That skincare routine, Squidward's always on it. Yeah. No matter how broke, He's take on- care of your skin. Yes. It's what you got. Big lesson this week. Woo. Yeah. These are two really fun episodes, so this is actually a fun I had fun making the big lesson this week. Um, but what did you get this week, Omar? Both halves spoke to me. And I think the biggest thing that I got from it was you have to be able to go with the flow 
and improvise. Oh, okay. So SpongeBob, Act One. SpongeBob had this whole elaborate heist plan situation going on, and then he didn't have a plan B, and which is the exact opposite of what happened in the second half. Because if you look, he improvised so many things with his imagination. Yeah. In such a short amount of time. Yeah. So being able to go with the flow and improvise and SpongeBob, like again, it's one of those episodes where in the first half it would have really benefited from the skills that he learned in the second half. Yeah. And I think that's actually really cool to see. Yeah. And I think so many times in our lives, like I'm more of a go with the flow person. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that people, when something doesn't go right or, or doesn't go correctly the first time they freak out yeah. or even the fact that like something does go right, but it doesn't turn out the way they want it to. So they don't know how to like, Again, improvise with the situation or allow allow their rigid schedule or rigid like mindset open up. And I think that's like it's nice. In the second half we see how how many things that SpongeBob got done mm-hmm. with his imagination and how Squidward didn't like couldn't execute that. Yeah. And I, and I think that SpongeBob in the first half was more like Squidward yeah. as far as improvisation goes. I think that's great. I think that's really great because I definitely see that work sometimes. Like, I mean, a lot of times the first plan that you have doesn't work and you got to make split, like decisions quickly on the spot, especially when you're running a crew of people, like and something doesn't work out, you need to be able to improvise or come up with a solution and like problem solve. And it's a big thing is like learning how to problem solve. And I agree, like you need to develop those skills because if you sit there and panic and sit there and just never come up with a plan B, like that is poor leadership and people will see that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just also not as fun to be so rigid. No. Because I, I feel like when the rigid people, when things don't go right, they freak out. Yeah, and they, they freeze up and they shut down. And I think and I think you miss a lot of life, actually. I mean, it's not just work. and There's other things. Sometimes plans don't follow through. You go on a date and sometimes the place is closed or, you know, some, something happens. And you just got to learn how to go with the flow, how to improvise, and how to, you know, just keep trucking on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep trucking on. Trucking on. Trucker hat style. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got, I think, a big, like, resounding lesson from both of these is really just appreciate what you have and just the meaning of appreciation. I think that Patrick could have really appreciated what SpongeBob was doing for him more, like, the whole day and I t- talked about it, it's like having the whole day at the carnival and like spending an entire day with someone and going like putting all this effort in is like really appreciate that don't get so caught up in the fact that you didn't get a gift or you didn't like get what you thought you're like what you wanted but it's just having the appreciation for what you do have is important and that's exactly what Squidward should have done like he should appreciate what he has not then sit there and like be jealous of Spongebob's ability to have so much fun with a piece of paper. Like, Squidward could have easily had just as much fun and done, like, all this great stuff without that piece of paper instead of spending the entire day, like, being jealous of Spongebob. Yeah, and then you just kind of... I know there's people out there who, like, actually start their day and, and or end their day with it, where they, like, write down things that they appreciate. And... I think it's like a good little way to start looking at your life a little more positively. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think we all 
lose sight of what we have. We all lose sight of like the good things in our lives. You know, that's friends or objects or, you know, work or whatever. I think it's really easy to get caught up in the negatives. And so for some reason, we're like predisposed to be negative about, think negatively about things. It's so much easier to be sad or angry about mm-hmm. stuff. But like take the moment to appreciate what you have. Take the moment to be happy for a second. And like it really does change your outlook on stuff. And you may not think that you have a lot going for you, but if you take the time to start appreciating what you do have, you'll realize that it does, you know, it, it's good. Your life is probably not as, as you think it is. Yeah. Enjoy your moment. Yeah. It's good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Happy. Very heartwarming. Oh. A very loving, <laughs> a very loving uh, end. Appropriate for the Valentine's Day. Yeah. Very appropriate. Good, good branding. Way to stay on brand for Valentine's Day. Killing it. You're such a sellout. <laughs> well thank you all for listening to this week's episode thank you if you want to send us things or any suggestions we've mentioned it earlier please reach out to us on our website ismaniasapodcast.com or by email ismaniasapodcast at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook or instagram at ismaniasapodcast or on twitter as ismayoapodcast so be sure you share this episode and other episodes and anything else that is from us hopefully (laughs) Uh, with your friends and your enemies and make sure to comment yeah we really appreciate it when you guys do and we appreciate that you guys listen so thank you yeah yeah and uh we have a little treat for you this week last week i serenaded you with my clarinet and uh, i think we're gonna end with omar serenading you with some of his paper music he's been working on so take it away omar okay so hold on i need to get my paper ready fresh piece of paper is very important Ooh. To um, Technique. Everything. Technique. <laughs>